This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Andrew Webster Webby. What? is good not too much man what a week it was great weekend great start to the week a lot of good games uh, a lot going on man um hey Embiid last night again just <laughs> i hate no. to start with it but listen we talked about the mvp race last <laughs> last week this guy and man. i i think it is over i still think it's Jokic, but like it He's so good on both ends of the court. And Harden is playing amazing. And even the bench looked good last night. I know I'm very biased because, listen, they do put a lot of Sixers games on TV here in Canada, though. We should I do appreciate a, that. We should set an odds maker time for how long it takes Webby to talk about I mean, the Sixers to start his Sixers propaganda each and every week. I, I'm just saying they're a good team. They're they're at where they're at. Uh, you know, third in the East. I think that's where they finish. It's just going to be about who they play, and I'm sure we're going to get into that very soon. Listen, I'm not I'm not mad at you. I'm I'm just stating the facts here. I'm just stating the facts. That's all. Just, you know? It's a likable team. I, I just like them. You know. Okay. 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 Now that Ben um, Simmons off the team, they're just so much more likable. That's so funny. Still blaming Ben Simmons. He's still salty about Ben Simmons. Not right? even salty. Like, it just seemed to bring the vibe down, you know? How, how do you do this each and every week? Sucker me into talking about the South, the Sixers. Even though, like, I know what you're doing. I'm trying to avoid it. And yet you get me each and every week right off the bat to just dive into whatever's going on with your stupid Sixers. A team that I despise because I dislike Joel Embiid. I don't know if there's an athlete that I like sports dislike. Sports the, hate more than Embiid. I know Toronto just hates Embiid. It's great. Uh, uh, but what I'll say is that it's just mm-hmm. uh, it's a reflection of the NBA. We could do this about any team because there's so much personality in each and every one of these teams. You know, maybe minus the Spurs. Yeah. But there's a lot going on in the NBA, and it seems like every night something crazy happens. There's something new to talk about. There's some new controversy or performance or topic of debate that's come up so it's just a gift that keeps on giving Shelly and you know what it's there for us why not talk about the NBA right I mean let's be honest right the NBA is such a crazy crazy sport always giving us so much to talk about week in week out on this the ball on blast podcast a day late but never a dollar short is what I like to say. Um, as always, lots going on. We're going to talk about the Raps. We're going to talk about the Raptors versus the refs. We're going to ask, are the Knicks for real? John Morant doing a little too much. Uh, checking on the West. Obviously, what's going on with KD and the Suns. Big matchup this weekend. Huge weekend in the NBA. Luka and Booker beef. Ooh, yeah. I know Webby wants to talk about OKC. The East is going crazy. People are going wild over some very interesting takes revolving around Jokic and MVP voters. Um, so much going on, including Ask on Blast, which we will discuss Chris Rock and the Netflix special for sure. So tons to get to, but we will start as always with your Toronto Raptors and Scotty Barnes versus the refs. I mean, 
a crazy week for the Raps. We know that they have a big-time road trip coming up. Um, they started off, they played against Denver. Well, they had back-to-back games in Washington. They played in Denver, and now they're heading to L.A. to take on the Clippers late Wednesday night and then the Lakers on Friday. A so red-hot Lakers team. Like red a hot Lakers, Lakers team that is playing amazing, and Anthony Davis is like I, – I, I mean, this is a team that needed – like, it now almost seems that, you know, LeBron James is pulling those puppet strings. Mm-hmm. And listen, uh, the foot injury is a foot injury. You know what? But it, getting that timetable of, like, two, three weeks, do you think it's any of, like, LeBron James thinking to himself and the Lakers thinking to themselves, like, we really need to see what we have in Anthony Davis here? Yeah, I think LeBron is definitely kind of testing the waters to see how things go with just AD and what this team can do without him. As I mean, I'm not going to put any allegations towards LeBron James, but I'll just say this. I feel like my guys at home chilling, feeling kind of nice. If you see the yeah. Twitter fingers lately, yeah. just saying Bronny's better than a lot of dudes in the, the people in the league. I, like, listen, whatever, whatever kind of vintage red. LeBron is uh, sipping on. I would like some as well because that tweet was amazing. That tweet was Fuego Fire. For those who might not have saw it, LeBron basically said that Bronny, he's sitting back watching the NBA and Bronny is better than a lot of the dudes he's watching, which is an insane thing to tweet. But also, I do feel like, and I've said this for a while, LeBron paid attention and saw what LeVar Ball did. Yeah. Right? And knows that if LeVar Ball can get his three kids, and because remember, Jello, Jello even got some looks. Which he Wait, he was on a G heard. League team, or what? Right? I think so, right? So that's what LeBron, or sorry, that's what LeVar Ball's able to do. I mean, of course, <laughs> what can LeBron LeBron's got do a little to more credibility son? behind him. Totally, totally. But before we get to the Raptors and Lakers, let's let's talk a bit about the Raptors and Nuggets because that was a crazy, crazy game. And I know Raptors fans are still super fired up as Raptors lose a tough one in Denver, Mile High City, 118 to 113. But that's not what everyone's talking about. What everyone's talking about is the fact that the Raptors were up for the majority of that game. And then down the stretch, Jamal Murray making plays, Jokic making plays. And your man Scott Foster making some plays. I know there are a lot of questionable calls down the stretch, Webby, but I'll start here. Do you think the refs cost the Toronto Raptors that basketball game? I don't. I don't think that they did. Um, I think that that's a terrible call, but it's kind of in line for Scott Foster. And a lot of NBA referees, it was definitely like a Joey Crawford type of thing. That mm-hmm. and, and like now, obviously... With all the uh, all the talk around referees, you're getting more and more discourse and like, oh, look what happened with this referee in the past and everything. But listen, as much as the Raptors fans love to blame the referees on the ills of their team, this was a game that they had under control for about three and a half quarters. Now, I, even at halftime, I was like, well, I, I know where this is going. I don't know whether it's going to be in the third quarter early fourth quarter or late fourth quarter, but this 6.7.8 point lead that you're holding over Denver at in Denver, that's going to shrink. You just knew it was going to start to shrink and that that last two minutes of the ball game was going to be super tight. Uh, And Murray showed up. Jokic showed up. This is what they've been doing all year. They've been winning late. They've been finding ways to win, especially at home. You're not 
you know, four home losses because you're eking, because you're lucky. You know yeah. when to strike. And I felt that Denver, they like Denver had, they knew what they were getting into in that last part of the fourth quarter. They the Raptors were almost playing into their hands. Yeah. And like a snake in the grass, the Nuggets were just waiting for their time, waiting for their time. And then they did it. They shot amazing down the stretch. Yeah. And I know that the like the everybody talks about the Scott Foster ejection, but I I, I think even without the the Nuggets were gonna win that game. So a, a few things, right? One, I want to show Fred Van Fleet. That was a great point guard performance on the road, like a leader of your team saying, I'm going to try to carry us to a victory here. He had 21 points, 14 assists in that game. Just a great performance by Freddie trying to carry the team there. Looking at some other guys, though, you're probably going to need some more from Pascal, who had 19 points on 8 of 18 shooting and Scotty Barnes had 12 points on 5 of 12 shooting. Oh, That's not really going to cut it in a big boy game in Denver against like the reigning MVP. You're going to need a lot more from your stars. That's first and foremost. So the Raptors played a great, great game. But in winning time, which is what I, matters. I, sorry, go on, go on. I, I was going to say, for, for the first three quarters, they almost had the blueprint of how you beat a Nuggets team. Mm-hmm. By making Jokic work on the other end, by tiring him out, by getting him in these role, these pick and roll situations Jokic. and running them right at the big man, like wear his ass out. And that's what they were doing. It seemed like, you know, mm-hmm. they had the blueprint. It's just finishing down the stretch. You just, I don't know what it was about it. You just knew that that lead was going to shrink and Denver was going to strike if they let him in and they did. And- And you're right. The game plan was good. OG guarding Jokic. Jokic only attempted eight shots in that game. He had 17 points, but you know, the game plan on Jokic was really good. He didn't score a lot. That was good. I mean, he had 13 rebounds, nine assists, which he's going to get just walking. That's like a light night. But again, what it comes down to is what you do in winning time. And there's a lot of focus on Scott Foster and I get that, but on the reviews, right? The plays that happened. Okay. There was a one that the Raptors tried to get overturned on the screen where Jokic does the vet move of just grabbing onto Scotty Barnes and, you know, forcing that foul call, forcing the ref's hand, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, I understand that Raptors beef. The next play where Scotty Barnes drives to the basket and he gets fouled, the initial call is he gets fouled by Jokic, but then the Nuggets challenge. And you see that on the replay, Scotty Barnes actually, with his off arm, hits Jokic's arm, and the play is overturned. That can't be a part of the Raptors' beef as to why they lost that game. That game is, like, that play was overturned. We're all watching the same replay. We all see what happens. Cool. But let's get to what everyone's talking about, which is the Scott Foster thing, okay? Let's start here. So there are, you know, we see the broadcast, and what the broadcast, on the broadcast live, obviously it's difficult. Like, the people calling the game, you can't hear what's actually being said on the court right away. So it takes people who are watching the game and seeing all the feeds afterwards and, you know, great Twitter follow, especially if you're a basketball fan, worldwide Wob, all over it. All he over puts it. out and it's later confirmed. You can hear what Scotty Barnes said to get kicked out. He said, y'all are cheating, bro. That's what he said to Scott Foster. Scott Foster turns around and throws him out of the game. First, is that a ticky tack call? on Jacoperto fouling um, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, ticky-tack call. Didn't need to be called at that point. Cool. 
But Scotty Barnes saying y'all are cheating, bro, to a referee, you're going to get tossed for that. Because I feel like there's a lot of context that people aren't really talking about, Webby. And this is why well, I enjoy this platform of the podcast to be able to discuss these things, okay? I, the, NBA, I, the NBA, I'm going to say this though, the NBA yeah. is making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of sports gambling, right? Every other ad is a gambling ad. So you can't have that and then have one of your players insinuate that a referee is cheating. Like there is a major difference between saying a referee sucks or you're not good at your job and then saying you are purposely trying to alter the, the outcome of this game. Like those are two different things, right? And I feel like we can all understand that, no? I, I agree with you. And, and this is also a sport that's had like yeah. controversies about referees fixing and, games. Well, remember some of those fishy docs that came out I think there was a Netflix doc that, you know, a lot of stuff in there has been refuted in terms of just yeah. not being factual, but a bunch of things that came out, we're talking about allegedly a bunch of phone calls and text messages between Tim Donahue and Scott Foster. Like there's a lot yeah. of like whispers and rumblings online about Scott Foster's involvement with. And Tim so Dunham. none of this so, stuff, none of this stuff exists in a vacuum, right? So none of this stuff is Scott, proven. None of this stuff is true. I'm just saying Scott with all Foster those whispers around. And which Scott Foster has definitely heard mm -hmm. and definitely wants to refute. Re, re, refute. Mm -hmm. And so when something like this happens and he hears a player say, you guys are cheating, well, that's going to trigger him, as the kids like to say now, you know? That exactly. might mean a lot more to Scott Foster to hear that than it would for uh, maybe a younger referee. Well, the other younger referee that had the mean. Oh, that the had night. the great, had the <laughs> amazing reaction. Like, huh? What? Those what? are so good. But Those the, are so good. And, and like these guys hear things all game, right? It's not just, you know, what they tee guys up for. They're having ongoing dialogue with every player that's on the court. Every player is talking to the refs and things are being said that aren't getting booked that I'm sure that this was not the only thing that Scotty Barnes said to Scott Foster or in Scott Foster's direction in that game, in that half, in that quarter, in those last two possessions. Like exactly. the possession before, Scotty Barnes th thinks that he's been wronged with the overturned call. So like all of these things don't exist in a vacuum and they all build up. And sure, Scott Foster's decision seems to have been like he had to cover his ass a bit with mm -hmm. why this ejection was done without two technicals being yeah. awarded. So it seemed like he had to cover his ass. It was, you know, probably heat of the moment, but he heard something. He has the power to do that. And yeah, it sucks, but Scotty Barnes, hopefully moving forward, knows better than to uh, have that, use that kind of language. And maybe he fixes it up. But yeah, I, just to say I, that they lost because of Scott Foster is kind of short-sighted. I also just think that two things are allowed to exist in the world, right? Like 100%. you're allowed to say that, you know, Scott Foster had a short fuse and that's a tough call to have Scotty Barnes ejected at that point in the game. It's a one point game, like a minute left. Like I understand all of that, but there also, I feel like wasn't enough understanding of, okay, well, this is what he was said. This is what was said. And you have to understand why you can't have that being said on the court in an NBA game, right? Like, 
We the all should be able thing- to acknowledge that is what I'm yeah. saying, right? right? And then I don't think Scotty Barnes helped himself post-game no. where he said, I was just talking to myself. As soon like, as he said that, I was like, well, he definitely said something bad. <laughs> right. And to Scott Foster. If yeah. you're saying that, if I, I put it out there on Twitter too. It's like, I've said that too when I was in high school and I got detention. <laughs> No, I was saying that to myself. I wasn't calling you a fucking idiot. Right. I was calling myself one. And, you know, Scott Foster, obviously they had the pool report uh, where they asked Scott Foster about it. And Scott Foster said, uh, quote, he directly questioned the integrity of the crew. So now, like, you know, it's pretty obvious what happened. You can you can see all the things lined out. And again, you can hear it during the game. You can hear what Scotty Barnes said. Y'all are cheating, bro. So it all lines up. And I feel like it's a tough loss for the Raps. But if you're trying to take and, and shouts to Freddie, because Freddie's a man that says no moral victories at this point. Right. But the Raps hung tough in that game. They for lost sure. they look, they time. They look really good. They That's the difference good. between average teams and good teams, right? Being able to figure out a way to win that game, especially at this point of the season where you are trying to make a push into the playoffs. Um, Speaking of said playoffs, I want to bring up the standings here to see exactly where uh, the Rappies are sitting at this point. They're hovering. They're hovering, right? They're doing a good job. It's it's tight in that in in both conferences there in those play-in tournament, like the numbers. But um, yeah, I, I guess we're still kind of, waiting to see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets, right? I think that's like the ball to drop. If they can tread water, stay where they're at, Mm -hmm. or if they kind of, if things catch up to them. But I think the Nets are playing really well too. Like for what that team's undergone, we talked about it last week, but it's a pretty like strong-willed team there. Yeah, the Nets are doing a good job. And if you look at the standings here, the Raptors currently sitting in ninth place. And I think, when you're looking at the Raps in ninth, I mean, it's one of those things where if you're the Raptors, you're trying to figure out a way in which you can try to get up to sixth, but it's looking pretty tight, right? As you mentioned, the Nets are sitting there in sixth right now. The Raptors Heat are the team that you're worried about. The Heat is are the team that you would have to leapfrog, I think, to get to six. Yeah. And then on the, alternatively, you don't want to fall down to 10 if the Heat are going to be at seven. Yeah. Right. You want to avoid playing the Heat, I think, especially in a <laughs> one game situation. Yeah. Well, you look at those teams that are involved in the mix of what the play in tournament would be right now, right? You mentioned the Heat, Hawks, and Washington, and then lingering not too far behind, you still got Chicago and Indiana. And Indiana. I think that if you're the Raptors, a team that you're worried about in that scenario, you're worried about playing, you don't want to play Miami, you don't want to play Indiana. I feel like you could take the Hawks or Washington despite the battles that we've seen so far this season. Tough games for the Raps against both of those teams. But it's going to be a dogfight all the way through the end of this season, I think, for when you're talking about the Toronto Raptors and where things stand. And speaking of said standings, I feel like this is a good opportunity to transition to the New York Knicks. Bing bong. Right? Bing bong. The Knicks are for real, right? The Knicks are in currently in fifth place. They lost finally, right? They their nine-game the streak came to an end to the Charlotte Hornets, of and course, because that's how the wave, it the down, wave right? was only so strong and so high. The Knicks right. wave was crazy. And and with good reason, man. They're a fun team. 
Knicks were balling, man. I mean, you got to give the Knicks a whole lot of credit because what they were able to pull off. And I know, I mean, if you follow NBA circles, you you just know how the schedule kind of plays out sometimes and you're going to be on a good run and it's not going to be the Celtics that they're going to lose to, right? Maybe it's not going to be yeah. or the Spurs it, on a random Monday, right? Exactly. It would be the Charlotte Hornets. The Knicks winning streak, nine game winning streak is over as they lost on Tuesday night, 112 to 105 to the Charlotte Hornets of all teams. And that still doesn't take away from the fact of what the Knicks, the run that the New York Knicks have been on with some big, big, big wins and Julius Randle hitting some huge, massive shots. He had the game winner against Miami on Friday, then Sunday, some big time shots and a double OT thriller against the Boston Celtics. I mean, the Knicks are doing everything. They got a whole bunch of guys. I feel like the pieces all fit together. That win against Boston was massive because you had quickly coming off quickly starting in place of Jalen Brunson, who was hurt, but quickly with 38 in that game, double OT, just going back and forth with the Celtics in Boston and being able to come up with that victory. My question to you, are the Knicks for real, Mr. Webster? Yeah. I mean, right now you're looking at if you're Cleveland, if you're, even Philly, that's a team in that first round that is going to be a really, really tough out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is that the Knicks are so where they're at right now. If you're looking at the standings, where they're at right now is such a safe place to be in. You know, like mm-hmm. we talked about possibly those Brooklyn Nets falling down or kind of treading water, but they've got the um, the carrot in front of them of catching the Cavs. Yeah. So they've got something to play for, but it's not like if they do lose two in a row or they go on a five and five stretch that it's going to kill them. Well, so, the other thing that's interesting about the Knicks, though, you mentioned that look at their road record, right? They are 20 and 12 on the road. Like that's a crazy road record and very atypical for the NBA in terms of, you know, you don't really have a team having a better road record than they have home record. His coach team, man, is that that's what I'd say about that, you know? Like that's the kind of guy who gets the like those guys ready to play on the road, you know? Yeah. And that's just a, also a team. The pieces just seem to fit together so well. Brunson has stepped in and been a great lead guard for them. It's also taken a lot of the pressure off to Randall, where he doesn't have to create every single play down the stretch. RJ, there's not enough, there's not pressure on RJ to have to like get buckets every single night and be a guy. He can kind of, you know take a little bit of a step back, focus a lot more on defense, hit open jumpers, pick his spots a little more, and still have a solid scoring average. And I think RJ's doing a really good job with that. We mentioned quickly and what he's been able to provide. But uh, your friend of mine, Jamie Robinson, a Knicks fan, we know he's coming up to be talking. He's brought up a really good point about Mitchell Robinson. Actually, I was just going to say, being, real being healthy. Back. Mm-hmm. Being healthy. For this stretch, the last couple of years, he's not been able to stay on the court. But you're absolutely right. He takes so much pressure off of those other guys on the defensive side of the floor. He's such an important part for the Knicks. That's the awesome point. Yeah. And I I think just, you know, him playing center, 
him taking some of the, you know, banging down low with the the big guys, taking some of that pressure off of Julius Randle, I think that helps so much in terms of just wear and tear and the things that Randle has to focus on, right? And if he's focusing on having to grab all the rebounds and gra- and fight the other team's big guys and get buckets, it's so much. Josh Hart, also a great pickup for that team, a guy that yeah. just fit perfectly in Tibbs's style and what the Knicks need in terms of like just a grinder like we talk about all those guys all the time you know the the kind of Jay Crowder mold the PJ Tucker mold the guys that are going to play defense and hit open threes but they kind of know their role yeah. right the scrappy and, hustler yeah. guy Josh Hart perfect fit it's for this the Knicks identity team. of the team and it doesn't surprise me that a guy like uh, our friend Jamie who is a big 80s Knicks guy you know mm-hmm. uh an Oakley and an Anthony Mason guy is yep. bigging up uh, a Mitchell um, Mitchell Robinson because yeah. he fits in that Knicks identity, and that's why the the city is really falling in love not only with the Knicks being good, but by them really um, finding that identity again that the team and the fans are used to. Right, having those guys that fit into a tough, grinding, bang body mindset, and with Tibbs again, it's a perfect system for that and if they can keep that identity again mm-hmm. really tough out in the first round you really want to see cleveland and new york i want them to stay at four and five. Oh yeah you want that's that a matchup that's a banging first round matchup dude that is like because the bigs on the on the cleveland side with mobley and uh jared allen Mm-hmm. Ooh, that would be. I'm I'm ready for it. Just imagine Brunson and quickly going at Mitchell or yeah, Donovan Mitchell and and Garland. Yeah, Boy, like that is. We need to have the Cavs come out in those old school, like blue unis. Yeah, so take it back to the early '90s days, man. But also just the spice of all the talk from the offseason that Donovan Mitchell was supposed to go to the Knicks. Go to the Knicks, right? It's an added like story level to it. Yeah. 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 And, and like the Knicks not pulling the trigger on that deal that probably, I think it was the rumors that were floating around was essentially RJ quickly and Mitchell Robinson and picks for Donovan Mitchell. And now just think about how much the pieces fit now, as opposed to if they had made that trade for Donovan Mitchell, like a backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Brunson, I don't know if defensively that works. Plus, you know, and you're getting rid of the guys. Yeah. And you're getting rid of some glue guys and some, like we said, Robinson has been just, just stay healthy, man. Like he's such a beast. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing going on there, but uh, I'd be crazy if I didn't mention one other thing that went on in the Eastern conference this week that I know you're going to love to talk about. Speaking of the Cavs, they were in a crazy game versus uh, the Boston Celtics and down the stretch, (laughs) your man's Grant Williams goes to the free throw line and he gets fouled. There's like 0.8 seconds left on the clock tie game. He goes to the free throw line. Donovan Mitchell starts talking mega trash to him. And you can see Grant Williams say to him, I'm going to hit both. I'm going to hit both. both. And then what actually did he do? Clang. <laughs> Clang. Like Big Ben going off at two in the morning. Two oh, big man. clangs, bro. Go, bro, Grant Williams, you talk about Embiid. Grant Williams might be my least favorite player in the NBA. Wow. That guy sucks <laughs> and he talks a lot oh man anytime really, that guy puts up a shot i'm like that eh? that's not going in that's not going in 
You could just tell it wasn't going in. Yeah. That's so good. It was just so funny that Grant Williams talking so much trash that he was going to make both and then ends up making neither. Nada. Like I thought that was just hilarious Nada. on so many levels. And I think that, you know, for you to have the audacity that you're going to talk so much trash and do that and have everyone see it and be like, you're going to miss both. I just thought that was the funniest thing that like, it's not even like my guy went up there and was close. Like the first one, I think front rimmed. And then the yeah. second one, I guess kind of rimmed out, but I think you the know, first the one, you part, knew he wasn't going to make the second one though. It was so off. Well, the, the <laughs> other part, the low key crazy part about it, if you watch what happens on the second free throw, so he hits the first, he misses the first one, but then like, you see a bunch of Cavs guys start moving around to like waste time because they're making you think about it a little more. Yeah, right? Oh yeah. And you see guys like cheat and they go back across the lane to like just add more time and they Talk have a close strategy. Yeah. Right. And you can see someone check in and then they go line up and then they're going back and forth across while my guy just has to stand there and think about the fact that he just missed that rim gets smaller and smaller. And I can't and miss smaller. the next one. Can I? <laughs> right. Poor guy. Poor Grant Williams, man. But hey, Celtics, they've been on a bit of a little downturn here with some tough losses down the stretch themselves. But yep. Eastern Conference is just going crazy right now. But I feel like if I say going crazy, there's another direction I got to take this pod. And it's to your man's job, ja Morant. Ja, why? I mean. Oh, man. Why is it these, I, it, you know. Where do we even start with John ja Morant? good, like. A good family. This, like, why? There's, why there's, there's a lot of sides. A lot of sides to this. Let's just start. Let's just start with explaining kind of what's been going on. Right? There's been a bunch of different issues popping up throughout this season, or I guess like as things started to happen this season, we started to hear a bunch of stories that had happened. That yeah, had happened in blips, the past. Almost little blips that you right? wouldn't little, think little when blips. they happened that were part of a pattern. Yeah. Right. And if we if we break it all down from the beginning, John Moran or the beginning is how this story popped up, right? There was a story of if we just go to this season, there was something that happened after uh Grizzlies Indiana Pacers game, Pacers game in which the Pacers reported allegedly that they were on the team bus and there were lasers being pointed at them while they were on the team bus with the insinuation that, you know, on the beam, the beams on the guns being pointed at and the NBA investigated that. We still haven't heard the finality, the what's final from that investigation. So that's one story. Then a story leaks about how John Morant had a basketball game at his house and has just, you know, sometimes he'll have like local kids there. He'll have different people come through and play. I heard like even Mike Miller was there, but a 17 year old kid, and this is all allegedly, and you can read yeah. it all online. These stories are all there, they all exist. Um, John Morant has, uh, gets in an altercation with a 17 year old kid. And the way that the two different stories are told from the kid's angle, the kid says that he checked the ball to John Morant, John Morant missed the ball and it hit him in the face. John Morant's story is that he checked the ball to the kid. The kid threw the ball at his head on purpose and then like 
lifted up his pants, like, you know, made the aggressive step forward as if he was about to do something. Like, if you're watching the video, I could, tr like, I'm not going to act it out. But you know what I mean? When you aggressively right. grab to, like, pull up your pants and step right. forward towards someone, take you know, like, you're ready off, to go. Take the watch off. So that's John ja Morant's story. And he said when that happened and the ball got thrown in his face, that was essentially the first, quote, unquote, punch. And so John ja Morant proceeded yeah. with one of his buddies to also allegedly beat up this kid. Don't hit a 13 year old. And on the way out, both people are talking back and forth. And, you know, the kid says that John Morant tried to pull a gun on him or flashed a gun at him. John Morant says that the kid said he was going to come back and light the place up. Insane story. And right when you think it couldn't get crazier, another story pops up about that happened, I guess, last year where John Morant's mom. Uh, got in an altercation at a you know sneaker store, a, a mall like shoe store. I don't. I was gonna say a brand, but I didn't want to say the wrong brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in exactly. case, I'm not trying to give them bad pub. But they're at a shoe store, gets in an altercation, and then she calls John Morant. John Morant shows up with a crew of dudes and is threatening these employees and mall security, and supposedly there were guns involved in that as well. So police are investigating that. And then, I can't believe how many and thens there are, but this has been the week in John yeah. Morant News. We wake up in the morning and there's videos online of John Morant shirtless in a strip club and flashing a gun. I don't know where this story is going next, but the latest that we've heard is that John Morant is taking a leave away not, from the team. Yeah, he's not At first playing, he's announced that it was going to be two games. And now we're hearing that it's kind of indefinite. We're hearing reports that they're investigating about whether he had the gun on a team plane. Cause if that's the case, right. there could be a bigger suspension coming. Yeah. It's this something about having so many gun and turns. The Webby, what, what do you make of this man? What do you make of all of this? It's not, it's not a good pattern. And you yeah. know what? If this seems like it was the team stepping in, put them on ice mm -hmm. and i think that while nothing has you know for sure happened nothing this is all allegedly you've been saying it allegedly 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 yeah listen 20 30 40 years ago stuff like this would be swept under the rug okay probably to the detriment of john morant's career mm -hmm. say what you will about the culture that we're living in now this yeah. is the right thing for john morant is to be put on ice a bit is to take a step back, find somebody that this guy can talk to uh, like a former player, somebody whose career didn't reach the potential that it could have, because that's what it's seeming like with John Morant right now. Yeah. The guy was poised to become one of the faces of the league. One of the most exciting players on the court seemed like an awesome dude off the court and had his dad who looked like Usher sitting with Usher courtside <laughs> seemed to really be a darling. And it really seems that some poor decisions are ruining this for him. So for the team to step up and not the league to say, Hey man, take some time. Like, I don't think it should be seen. And I don't think it is being seen as a punishment for this guy because I don't think that's what he needs. I do think he needs to take some time and to figure it out because right now this is becoming a pattern. Yeah. 
It, it definitely is. And there's a lot going on and a lot of j just wild takes being thrown out by people on TV and, you know, talking about his crew and he needs this and he needs that. And it, it's so interesting to me the things that people try to throw out without fully having an understanding of what someone's life is like we don't know what's really going on in john moran's life no. but also to like just instantly just put it on just his parents or just put it on his dad or put it on his friends like it's just a whole circle of things i think that people need to take a step back and all look at themselves and think what can i do to help this situation and that's everyone from the team, that's from John Morant, that's from his dad, that's from his crew, everybody yeah. involved, right? Because every there's a bunch of people playing a role in what happened. But first and foremost, if you're the Grizzlies, I think it is a good call, as you said, to have, you know, Ja take a step back for a bit and kind of just reassess what's going on. You know, like what, you know, the, the priorities are here. Cause uh, the latest here we're seeing from Shams, Shams saying that, uh, this could be an extended absence, something that could be for the foreseeable future, more stringent penalties could be, could come from the league, could come from the police as well. Yeah. The um, gun in the, the gun in the club, I think is the thing that they're really worried about because if the charges come down for that, that's not good. As we saw with like. It reminded me of Plaxico Burris when I read it. You well, know? I, I I did see a quote from Plaxico Burris that did say like, you know, um, if you can't if you can't learn and if you can't learn anything, learn from me. I saw that quote floating yeah. online from Plaxico during a, a radio interview. But I just think you know, at the end of the day, too, with this John Morant thing, I feel like he needs to take a step back and kind of figure out what the his priorities are because he's in a tough spot he's a kid right yeah. and as a kid you've now been given the this like leadership role for not only a multi-billion dollar corporation as you mentioned he was about to be the face of the nba or one of the faces of the nba but then added being the leader of a franchise then add in being the leader of your family Right, like that dynamic on its, it's a lot own. For anybody, its let own. alone a how old is he? 23, 22? Yeah, right. And that all comes with its own different responsibilities, its own different layers. And you're trying to figure out how to, you know, grow up and become an adult with all these other extenuating factors. You know, it's it's a difficult spot for him to to be at. And you know, it's a generational thing. I also feel like it's kind of weird for even I'll say people our age, but even people older for us, older than us to be commenting on, like, it's easy for us to look and be like, and I say it all the time, like, oh, these kids just doing it for the gram. Yeah. Right. Like, and we say that all the time jokingly, but we also don't understand what that era is like now for these kids and what and they're then you doing. Put the pressure of being a professional NBA player on top of that. It's yeah. And, and you mentioned it earlier, man, like things aren't, ever black and white like there mm -hmm. things can exist in multitudes yeah you know and, and i think that the best thing we got to find out what the best thing for john moran is and john moran has to figure out what the best thing for john moran is and that's what the most important part of this story is it's not yeah, when is he going to come back what does this mean for the memphis grizzlies you know, like you say you got to keep it in context that this is a 23 year old kid mm-hmm I'm trying to find the tweet now, but there was a tweet from Paul Pierce that Paul Pierce put up. And, you know, Jalen Rose had a really great clip as well on NBA Countdown. Um, but 
Paul Pierce said, uh, I don't care what y'all say about Dra. I carried a gun after I was stabbed. Y'all don't know what he going through. Everyone's got something to say until you really know what's going on in someone's life. When you're black and rich, you're a target, period. And it's an interesting, you know, that's one of those things where for people who don't, who might not remember, Paul Pierce was stabbed. I mean, he almost died. Yeah. Right? He probably for all intents and purposes should have died and was lucky to to have his life saved after being stabbed multiple times in a nightclub incident early in his career. I want to say, was it his rookie year? I don't exactly remember, but it was very early That's on in his career. Year, yeah. And, you know, again, we sometimes, especially in Canada, right? Gun laws are different. The carrying laws are different. But even from state to state, those laws are different. But the lifestyle of some of these people, it's so tough to just sit on a high horse and then make these judgments about someone with a gun and why does this person have a gun and why does this person need a gun when that's not our lives, right? And like, I think it's more a, a, a chance to, you know, instead of condemning and just being like, John Morant, you're an idiot. You should do this. You should do that, blah, blah, blah. It seems like this is, there's a need for help, right? Yeah. There's a need for compassion. There's a need to try to figure out, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, where are the OGs? Where's like Zebo to come in, right? Zebo's a guy with Memphis ties, of course. Zebo would be the, guy, the, guy. the first guy, Zebo and Tony Allen. Right. He'd be on the phone with those two guys right now and say, we're going fishing. John yeah. Morant for five days. Yeah. And hey, here's the thing. Were the Grizzlies winning the championship this year anyways? Uh, they, they well, like the, the point, the reason I'm bringing this up won. though is just as, the reason I'm bringing this up though is more so to say they got to figure out their priorities right now. Well, clearly, again, Jaw is 23. You have nothing hmm. but promise in front of you. You got a good young team. But but I think that that's what this decision kind of plays into as well. I think that the team realizes that as well. Yeah, it's like take the time now, figure out what's going on, figure out like what Ja needs right now to sort of, you know, settle down, take some time to reflect, figure out what's next, figure out what the priorities are. And as an organization, this season, whatever, figure out, you got to think about next season, the year after, the year after, the year after. That's what is more important, not only for John Morant's life, because the other part is, if it sounds like we're being super serious about this, Memphis is a different world. Yeah, right? like That is a, a sure. different, different world to be rolling around with guns and as a rich person and flashing your chain and all that stuff with what's going on in the world, man. It's kind of scary. And, and, and there could be a moment here to really stop and, and figure some things out, you know? Um, but yeah, I kind of want to switch gears here, and there's no easy segue. Yeah, right. Just yeah, normal segue. Uh, basketball. Talk about shooters. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> what's the what's the normal segue to go from there? But we will go to that game here. I got Luca versus Book, and this. Uh, uh, I'll tell you. Here's here's your here's your transition. Here's your segue. Oh, jeez. One beef that won't end in gunfire. True. Luca and Devin true. Booker. <laughs> very true okay. well played there well played solid job there webby i love it i love it um a, but one that i'm very invested in i like it i like mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. yes right let's get back to the jokes get back to the fun and you know we'll touch on the serious stuff but we want to also talk and about like just our best to john moran we want to see him out there we want to see him strive and and like you say grow up and, and be in our lives in the nba because man on the court the guy is like 
the number one guy right now that when he does something, it's on the group text. Yeah. You know, and the like, kids all love Ja. The kids kid all did? love Ja. That game where he came into Toronto, there were so many kids in Ja Morant jerseys. Like he's the next wave. So we just want to see the best for him for yeah. sure and get back on the court to the silly beefs on the court with Dylan Brooks, <laughs> right? Trying to beef other team other teams in the league, including the Suns and the Mavs who happened to face off on Sunday in a crazy back and forth game. Kevin Durant versus Kyrie. KD just, you know, hitting massive shot after massive shot. And I tweeted this out during the game. Like, you can't stop. You can't really stop Kevin Durant. He just misses shots. Like, we saw what the Celtics did to him last year in the playoffs where they they, the Nets got swept and they kind of, you know, shaded their whole off their whole defense towards KD to make him go against basically two defenders the entire time two if not three defenders the entire time and even still there's a counter to a game plan that maybe Steve Nash wasn't able to come up with but when you watch KD one on one you can't stop him he just misses shots right like that was an incredible performance of shot making by Kevin Durant on Sunday did you catch a bunch of that game or no yeah I, and I've been trying to watch as much KD on the Suns as I can I'm there on I think they're playing their first home game tonight right with okay. Kevin Durant in the lineup so hopefully that'll be on Canadian TV I haven't checked the guy but the guy is a, like we talk about these terms like game breaker difference maker and as much as we love LeBron, as much as we love talking about guys like Embiid and Jokic and Giannis, I don't think there's anybody in the NBA that like teams need to deal with more yeah. than Kevin Durant. Because like you say, you can put bodies on Giannis when he tries to spin into the lane. You can mm-hmm. try and wear out Embiid and Jokic. As, you know, bigger guys are going to wear down. Kevin Durant will get his shot no matter what. And like you say, the only way it's not going in is if he misses it. It's yeah. not because of the double team, not because of the help that you sent on the week, whatever. No, he's going to shoot over you. He's seven foot. He's still as good of a scorer as he was five, like uh, going back to New uh, Brooklyn, going back to Golden State, even going back to the Thunder. He's doing what he does, and he hasn't stopped other than the injury slowing him down. But if he stays healthy, he's going to make the shots. And pairing, great- him, pairing him with Booker and Paul now, that's already a pretty devastating offensive team. And it's just like adding another queen on the chessboard by putting Kevin Durant out there. You know what, Webby? It's such a great point by you because Kevin Durant, the way that he can be a superstar and fit into like any team situation – Right? Yeah. And still like get his shots while not hogging the ball, while not taking too many shots, just knocking down whatever shots come to him in the flow of the offense, whether it's threes, whether it's twos, whether it's crunch time. And pairing that, like Devin Booker now moving into your second best shot maker and <laughs> creator and playmaker, and then having Chris Paul with this bevy of options, because you know, now. Dumping it down to eight is like your yeah. third option. The only thing is now you don't uh, like who's your fifth, sixth, seventh guys because of what you gave up for Durant. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's like, who cares? Well, there's a bunch of teams in the league right now that made moves. And even whether it's the Raptors and like a guy like Will Barton, right? Like, there's different levels to this. Buyout guys, yeah. But what we're talking about is with the Suns, the time now between now and the end of the season is figuring out who those 
five, six, seven, eight guys are going to be, what that rotation is going to be, because you have guys like Damian Lee, Terrence Ross, like guys who can play, guys who can hit open shots, play defense. You know, can they find their role within this team heading into the playoffs? That's what this time needs to be used for if you're Monty Williams and the Suns. You know, who's going to come off the bench and play defense and be able to hit open threes? You know, once Chris Paul drives in the lane and KD's guarded and Booker's guarded, right? Those are the things that I'm super interested to see how that plays out in that game. But please give us Mavs and Suns. In Talk the about a four or five. We were talking about Knicks, Cavs in the East. Like, give us Suns, Mavs in any way, shape, the or KD, form. Kyrie would be awesome watching them you- go toe to toe. But then Book versus Luca, which has been spicy since last year's playoffs. Oh, um, it's the leaning in, I, that that meme of him leaning into Booker. Like, so well, it was, oh, so good. Now, the only other thing that I will say about that game on Sunday was that Luca was obviously not right. You know, whether mm-hmm. it was the thigh or the calf, there was something going on with his leg where he left and came back. And yeah. he only, sh- like, I think he took 30 shots, only hit seven or eight of him. Yeah. If that's a healthy Luca playing the entire game, I think that's a different scoreline. But is there ever a healthy Luca? Do you know what I mean? Like long term, is there ever a healthy Luca or is he always breaking down at some point during the season? I just yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. But the hey, guy you can say is, the same about Chris Paul and KD and even both. Well, I was gonna sure. say you're when right. does the when does the Chris Paul injury happen? Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna come. It's come every year. And then the other thing is that, I mean, we know when Luka gets in the playoffs, you can say anything you want about how much shape he's in, how banged up he is, but we've seen Luka in the playoffs be a different animal to what he is in the regular season, which is already one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah. But he is, he's awesome in the postseason. Definitely. Luca, I mean, Luca is a is an incredible talent, and I I gotta admit my Luca bias here. You're a Luca hater, watching. Well, I hated watching James Harden play, and it's the same thing with Luca. Like I just Uh, hate watching guys dribble while the other four guys just stand and watch them dribble. It's just boring basketball to me. It's the same thing every time down the floor. Are you talking about assist leader James Harden? I'm talking about James Harden with the. Are you talking about assist leader James Harden this year? Rockets, James Harden, okay, like those Rockets, Tony teams, right? Not the washed James Harden now. Washed, he has to pass washed. the ball because he's too washed. Washed. To Look at his numbers over the last two months. Someone sounds triggered right now. NBA. Someone sounds triggered right now. Are you Are you okay with? I'm me? just saying that. <laughs> that was too easy, my dude. We that got it. We got it. We got We got to turn around the narrative of uh, playoff Harden this year. Because um, now being on the side of watching it, it's it's tough. Okay, that's fair. But I'm trying to that's gas fair. up my guy. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Luca versus Book beef, like I just found it funny. Uh, Booker pointing at Luke. I don't know what he was pointing at. Maybe pretending that he was pointing at the charge or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or if he was, was just uh, blatantly being like, "You missed a layup." <laughs> but yeah. either way, Luca running up on Booker, like, what are you doing? Like, you, you don't uh, run up yeah. on a dude like that unless you're gonna do something. But we all know it's you're the not NBA, bro. Anything. It's the NBA. <laughs> it's so good. It's, the it's NBA. so good. That's why we need Carmelo back to just throw a slap at somebody? You know, 
Oof. Mello was talking about that on uh, your boys, Million Dollars Worth of Game, actually, your Philly boys. Oh, Million yeah? Dollars Worth of Game pod. He was talking about how David Stern called him into the office after that fight happened. And he so he was talking about the John Morant stuff. But he said after that fight happened, David Stern called him in the office and he was basically like read him the riot act, told him like, listen, you need to decide whether you want to do that or if you want to be an NBA player. Because we know what you're doing. We know who you're with. Yeah. We know where you live. We know where they live. We know what they're into. And you got to decide if that's the life you want to be in the streets and do that or if you want to play in the NBA. And Melo's like, that's when he sat there and realized the NBA is working with the feds. Like they know everything. Like they yeah. know, cause he's sitting there thinking like, wait, how do you know this guy? How do you know that guy? How do you know that's what that guy's doing? Right. But Stern's letting them know, like, yo, we're on you it. Got your you got to settle down. down. Right. So he's, he told them, he gave him a big suspension for that slap yeah. to settle them down to be like, I got to make an example out of you. Super interesting stuff, but let's, let's keep things going to another interesting uh, twist and turn here because the Jokic MVP debate keeps taking different turns. And I mean, a massive one happened just yesterday with JJ Redick and JJ, yeah. uh, Kendrick Perkins having a massive argument because Perkins, as much as he tried to deny it, essentially insinuated that white voters were more likely to vote for Jokic because of a bias that they have because Jokic winning the third straight would be you know, unlike things that we allowed for LeBron or right. for Giannis or for MJ. And the last time it happened, obviously, was for Larry Bird. And also, you know, then that brings up the Steve Nash debate of Nash winning back-to-back -back years, all of these things. But I don't want to, like, dive into the the race baiting at part of it because I feel like nothing productive gets done no, because it, no one's going to admit, like, even if that was the case, right? I'm not saying right. that it is. No one's going to admit and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Simmons only wants uh, Jokic to win because Jokic is white and he doesn't want him. Like, that's not no, Bill. Like, so that argument makes no sense to me. Right. What I will say, what I would like to discuss with you is just the Jokic debate on its own, because I know we talked about it a bit last week and I was saying, you know what? I think he is hands down the MVP. Right. Like I was agreeing with you with some time. And as I stepped back and I was really going through it and, and looking back on some of those LeBron years and even the Giannis years, I kind of look at that and I'm like, I like those rules of I want to see more progression, even though it's a regular season award. I want to see some progression in the playoffs before I make you the three straight MVP like that's a. That's a historic, legendary level that if MJ didn't do that, I don't know if I could do that. And I know that sounds ridiculous. MJ didn't do it. LeBron didn't do it. And when you think of this era, I still think of it as a Giannis era more than I think of it as a Jokic era. You don't think that we're still in the Steph era? For sure. But I'm saying like beyond the LeBron, Steph, you know, like, they're like the 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 big dogs, right? Yeah. But in terms of like who's coming up after them, I still look at that as a Giannis. Giannis is the dude just underneath the LeBron and Steph and KD, like those guys with multiple rings that like led the league. Right. You know what I mean? I still look so, at it as Giannis. Then you're getting into like, you know, I guess the Jokic's and, and Embiid, and Embiid. And then, yeah. you know, 
John Morantz and, and, and that kind of thing, right? Or the Jason Tatum's like the guys that are coming up that still haven't won yet, yeah. you know, so Giannis had say, to win to be able to get the full on co-sign to win twice in a row. You know what I mean? Like people didn't even want to give them twice in a row. There was a talk about, Oh, remember the Harden? Oh, all you do, how difficult is it if you're just running? Yeah, free throws. Um, I what know. I will say is that I am now, cause I, again, last week I was the same as you. I think that it's pretty slam dunk, but that's going by this is a regular season award that's given mm-hmm. out once a year. But I really believe, like you do, that narratives matter. Yeah. Okay. Not as much as we try to make these awards exist in the vacuum, they do not. Mm-hmm. The voters have long memories. The voters put these performances into historical context. And I think that they should. And I agree with you that if you are going to give a guy three straight MVPs, he really has to show you that he's A, progressing his game to new levels every year, and that B, his team is getting better and better and making push for championships. Now, this year, the Nuggets team is in first place, Mm -hmm. and they are the best team in the NBA. I mean, when you look, what they're actually right now second in the NBA to to the Milwaukee Bucks by a game by a game, right? It's close. And Jokic has played way more games than Giannis Giannis. this year. So I still think it's his, but I do agree. If, if Embiid or Giannis can like when they've been playing, like I've been talking about Embiid has been on an, another level. And if he keeps up these 30 and 40 point games with these amazing defensive numbers and the ancillary stats around them, I think he will push Jokic and get first place MVP vote. Yeah. But I don't think that even this uh, dialogue that people are having in the media right now is going to change enough voters minds that Jokic won't end up with a third MVP. But I agree with you that thing, these things are being thought about. I just think that with what the league looks like this year, with Giannis missing games, with with Embiid missing games, with other um, candidates maybe not having as gaudy uh, numbers, especially analytics yeah. wise, with Jokic, that it just won't be. And I just don't think it'll be enough. I think Jokic will win his third. The toughest part for me is historically being able to look back and be like, Jokic won three straight MVPs. And if there's no rings, no conference conference finals appearance, and he's not even the best player in the league, like that's a weird, it's a weird anomaly, no? Like that's a strange, strange thing. And I'm and like we're here, we're living it. So I see the world in which he should be MVP. It's just tough to put that in historical context. Uh, it's right? historical, you know? The question that's always asked is, well, okay, who is the most valuable to the the award is called MVP. And if you go by that, he is the MVP. Yeah. He is the most valuable to his team (laughs) pretty much by leaps and bounds over anybody in the league. Yeah. So when you look at it like that, but I agree that that historical context does, it does need to matter. And if I had a vote, uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't cast it until all the games were done where there's still a bunch of games left. But um, I, that would definitely be something that I judged the MVP award against. This is going to sound kind of lame, but I feel like if I'll understand it, if they finish first in the entire NBA, I will, I will probably, that will be the thing that I'll be like, okay. And I know that's a, such a slim, narrow, like line to draw in the sand, 
but I just, I don't know. Like, I just have a hard time. I know, man. I have a hard time doing it, but there's still, you know, under just under 20 games left to decide all of this and figure out who will be on top in the NBA MVP voting. But we talked about the crazy week in the NBA, but maybe the MVP of the weekend big guy was Chris Rock. I'm going to go to the, what did you think I was going to there? You didn't think I was going there. No, no, I knew you were oh, going okay, there. Okay, but I, I had a question before we get into it. Mm-hmm. Is he your number one all-time stand-up? Um, the way that like the timing of, you know, like bigger His and blacker, the early Chris Rock specials are just perfect. Like in my wheelhouse of being okay. old We're enough the same to age. understand I'm, I'm and appreciate. Yeah. So I, I will always, I think, give the edge to Chris Rock over Chappelle. And yeah. I, I, that's just me. That's a personal thing. Even Carlin and Eddie, they yeah. were a little bit before me. Exactly. But we're the same age, and yeah. I, I saw what what was the first one. Um, uh, it's not bigger back, and blacker. Bigger. Um, what was the one before? I, anyway, that I remember being like eleven years old, twelve years old, and watching that and being like, "This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life." And since then, Chris Rock's been my guy. Yeah. And some of his standups have been better than others. I'll say that for sure. But when I heard this one was coming out with everything that happened with the Oscars last year, I had to watch it, right? I had to be in on it. So there's a couple things that made this super interesting. One, it was the Netflix live special, which was Netflix dipping their toe in the water, trying something new, seeing like, could Netflix, a streaming service, have appointment television? Could they could they succeed in doing something like this? And this was kind of the perfect, you know, I guess attempt at it because everyone was waiting to hear what Chris Rock's response would be because he hasn't said anything since the whole Will Smith slapping incident from last year's Oscars. And so with huge anticipation, the whole internet waiting for it, um, did you end up watching it live? I didn't watch it live. So I forgot that it was coming on. And then at about like 945, I just happened to like sit down on the couch I went on my phone and people were trying to figure out how to get online. And I was like, Oh wait, I totally forgot this was on. So I, I happened to catch it live, which was an interesting thing to me. Cause I don't know if, you know, if that part didn't happen, I totally would have missed it, you yeah. know? And which doesn't really matter. Like there's no need for it to be alive. I mean, I watched it the event. next day, you know, like we're two days later and yeah, I, I guess what I missed was like the, uh, people like commenting about it afterwards or something, yeah. but I don't think I missed much in watching it a couple of days. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it needs to be a, a live thing. Like, I don't think that's necessary. I don't get the point of that really. Maybe they just, they're just able to sell um, more advertising to something. Cause it's live. You can track those numbers on top of whatever, you know, the clicks and downloads are after the fact, but either way, let's get to the actual content of the matter. What did you think of the special? Well, it's funny as these comedians that we grew up watching get richer and richer. It seems like, I like, we can find something funnier to talk about than woke culture, can't we? And like, and he yeah. did as soon as he started getting the like, play the hits, g- give me jokes yeah. about OJ. Like, that shit's <laughs> hilarious. The OJ I found it funny. Hilarious. I found a lot of the reaction funny. Like, obviously, I know that. Yeah, the, did the, you like the crowd kind of like? 
oh, I don't know if we can laugh at that kind of well, vibe. I think like the the internet culture of, you know, you're going to have, did he go too far? Was this mean? All that kind of stuff. Like, I get that that's what happens now in 2023, but I was kind of like over that side of the angle. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, that's just what's going to happen. That's that's what his job necessarily is, is to poke the bear and get to the line, probably tiptoe over the line a couple times, but like, that's what he's there to do. Um, I thought overall as a special, I thought it was really funny, but to your point, it is interesting as you grow up with these comedians and they get richer, like a comics job, right. Is like, you know, they take things that are relatable to everybody mm -hmm. and they put a funny spin on it and make you think about it in a different way. But if they're like stanky rich and I'm not like their lifestyle is not necessarily as relatable to me anymore to have the same, you know, topics of, oh, divorce. And now I got to give millions of dollars to my wife. You know what yeah, I mean? Like was one of the better lines when he was like, she's not funny at all. <laughs> it's so good. Right. Like there are a lot of moments I thought was really good and, and really funny. And, you know, I also thought there were some points where it kind of not dragged, but like weren't as good yeah. or kind of like yeah. he took the easy joke, yeah. the easy way out. Um, but I was anticipating how exactly he was going to talk about the Will, the, Smith, the Will thing. Smith yeah. thing. And so when he kind of like made the jab early, you know, about yeah, yeah. You know, protecting himself and like, you know, all that, and then made the jab a little later, you know, and then I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not actually going to touch on it. And this is just mm -hmm. an okie doke. But then at the end, he just goes in. And, and, and it wasn't a full on assault. And I didn't think that it was so much a stand up bit as opposed to his genuine, honest, real emotional feeling. He felt angry about that. And yeah. I appreciated that realism. Absolutely. And I, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this actually. It's like at the beginning of the special, he kind of talks about like, you know, being a victim is a great way to get attention. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of this special, he basically does 10 minutes on how he was a victim mm. of what Will Smith did to him. Mm. So I kind of thought that was a little interesting. But then again, it was way more raw and, like you say, personal and emotional about the situation that he found himself in. Yeah. And then he made, did make some, he was like, he played Muhammad Ali. He's like, I played Pookie. <laughs> like, what do you, of course it hurts. <laughs> it was so good. Right. He like, he had some really funny lines. I mean, he messed up the joke. The right? one at the end, right? The one at yeah, the end, he exactly. messed it up. But I think like that. But almost that brought a little more humility to it almost. Yes. Making him seem more relatable than he was when he was talking about his daughter going to the super elite private school and like yeah. going going to Portugal for fucking their grad party or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, even yeah. him messing up that joke made it more relatable to me. And probably mm -hmm. the most viewers. Well, yeah, him messing up the concussion joke and like the joke about going to see emancipation to see Will Smith get his ass beat or whatever, right? <laughs> like, you know, I I thought those jokes were just okay, but I thought like the overall, like just showing how angry he was and how he kept repeating the word bitch and calling him a he's like everyone was calling him a bitch this show and this show and this show. He's like, and I'm the one he hit. Like, I still think. You know, when this all happened last year, I don't even remember if we did a pod on it. No, not, I don't think we did. 
when this all happened last year, I remember like, I like looking at all sides of things, right? So I thought, okay, Will Smith's a clown for doing that, but it is a reminder that there are repercussions for what you say, whether that's right or wrong, you know? So I think like, that's a thing where, um, I got, I, I think that, you know, I get it from all angles. And I think that overall, I thought it was super funny. I, I enjoyed it. I would watch yeah. it again. I give it probably like a seven or eight out of 10. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I thought it was pretty good. Chris I was entertained. Rock, not the worst Chris Rock special, not a classic, but very, a really interesting piece of media for these times. Yeah, the abortion stuff I thought was good. I thought that yeah. people focused in too much on whatever their targets were, not realizing that he went at everyone. Yeah, right? which is like what a comedian was, does. Exactly. What Dave's been doing forever, what Bill Burr does, what the great comedians do. Exactly. But, Mr. Webster, we could go on for hours and hours talking about all of these things, but, you know, we'll save some of that stuff for next week. We can continue and talk about whatever it is that we're watching uh, each and every week on I'm top of the Oscar. NBA. Um, but, yeah, where can the people find you online in case they want to take some of your your mr andrew webster takes from the nba and beyond uh on twitter and instagram it is the same at a webster 84 follow me converse we'll converse (laughs) i love it i love it and my name is sheldon alexander you can find me on twitter at shell alexander on instagram at sheldon alexander and like and subscribe wherever you get the podcast blesses with the like blesses blesses with the retweet if you're watching the video on youtube hit that like button it's how you support everything that is this the on blast podcast as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the ball on blast podcast part of the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time See ya. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.